Today is Tuesday, December 4th, 2017. And on this episode of the Creative Church Podcast, we talk with creative genius and hustler extraordinaire Stephen Brewster and singer-songwriter duo Nate and Rachel Parrish. You're listening to the Creative Church Podcast, where each week we talk about the latest in Christian creative culture and explore the lives of prominent creatives. I'm Nick Goodner. And I'm Ross Montgomery. This week's episode is sponsored by StockHub. StockHub is the most affordable way for you to create video content. For $25 a month, you get unlimited, license-free, 5K, 4K, and HD stock video. From aerials to missions videos to Christmas Easter, StockHub has everything you need, and they're adding 1,000 plus new clips each month. Stop hundreds of dollars per clip and get all the 4K ProRes files you need for only $25 a month. StockHub is the source for unlimited stock video. For only $25 a month, download an unlimited amount of files, no contract, and no licenses. And I'll be the first to tell you, StockHub is absolutely brilliant. This week, uh, I needed a shot of some snow and some trees, and I didn't have time to go out and shoot it myself. I never have time to go out and shoot it myself, well, Ross. It's not like but, you uh, really have that in Florida anyway. <laughs> right, exactly. We, we live in Florida, do? so. Sprinkle some dust on palm trees? No, I, 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 no I guess they I have, have the shots for you, Nick. That's what I'm trying to say. That yeah, Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say, too. The stock up has the shots for me. I don't have to worry about finding some snow here in Florida because obviously there's not any, but stock up was the place for me to go and grab that. And hey, you know what? It was quick. It was easy. And guess what? Because it was all pro res files. It was easy to color grade and I, I got it to come out beautifully looking just the way that I wanted it to look. So if you want to give StockHub a try right now, they're offering full access to their entire library for free for the first 14 days. All you have to do is go to StockHub.com slash Creative Church. That's S-T-O-K-H-U-B dot com slash C-R-T-V Church. Well, like I said, my name is Nick Gunner, and here with me as always is my good friend, Ross Montgomery. Hello. Hey, um, so we have a great show planned for you today. Uh, today, we're going to talk with Stephen Brewster from Freedom House, and we have an interview with our friends Nate and Rachel Parrish. Nate and Rachel are a husband and wife singer-songwriter duo from California, and they're here to talk about their latest EPs. But uh, Ross, I want to know if you are prepped for the impending fame and accolades that are going to be showered upon you this week. Well, I'm pretty much going to go into hiding shortly after some sort of scandal, probably about me being a never nude, uh, are exposed. <laughs> uh, well, that's not what I was talking about, but, uh, oh. I'm talking about all the, oh. all the fame you're going to receive because this, this week, the pop culturist podcast will be premiering with you as the host. Whoa. And, uh, of course your guests or not your guests, but your co-hosts, yes. Chad Smith and Josh Pease. Yes. And, uh, you guys are, you're recording tonight, correct? Uh, the night of this podcast recording, yes, because <laughs> we tried it. At least we had a good run through, but some of the audio came out real glitchy, like literally putting words in different orders and it was recorded. So have no idea what happened. So we have to re-record, but maybe that means it will just be that much better for everybody's listening pleasure. I'm actually nicknaming that the Creative Church Podcast Network curse, oh, because it seems yeah. to me every single time we record the first, for the episode, first time. Yeah. That first episode is always just bad. Like no one ever heard the first episode of this podcast mm -mm. because we buried it. Like we we're like, no, this is way we too. We burned it with I, fire really is the more accurate way. <laughs> you can't even burn a digital file with fire. We had to actually get that onto a CD to actually burn it. I, I put it, it on was, a floppy was, drive personally and then burned <laughs> that. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a lot of, it was labor intensive, but 
we did wind up burning it because it was just that bad. Yes. I don't actually remember what was wrong with the first episode. I don't there remember either. I don't hey, know. you know what? Know. We're six in. We're pros now. So let's just We're, uh, we're pros now. And let's not even begin to talk about the first time that we did the Creative Church podcast. Hmm. What I don't know what you're talking about. Exactly. Good. That's a good way to put that because I, I don't know what I'm talking about either. But uh, this week, the Pop Culturist podcast will be premiering. Um, it'll be Wednesday this week. But for all future shows, we'll be releasing on Tuesday with this podcast. We're going to have kind of like a podcast Tuesday. Podcast Tuesday. So you can have it with your tacos. Taco Tuesday. Podcast this, this Tuesday. Podcast. There you go. It's, yeah, your it's, your yeah. Tuesdays are planned for you already, people. Just make it happen. My thing is, if you're not eating tacos while listening to this podcast, first off, shame on you. Yeah. Because that's the only terrible way. Terrible life choices. That's the only way to listen to Ross and I's voices. I expect there to be some hot sauce and sour cream on there. I know some people don't like sour cream on their Mexican food, but I am a fan of it. My wife is like that. She does not like sour cream at all. And she's she's quarter Hispanic. Hmm. Like her dad is from Mexico. Interesting. And she doesn't like sour cream. Isn't that weird? But anyway, tacos and podcasts bizarre. on Tuesday for everybody. Yep. So uh, be on the lookout for Pop Culturist next week. It'll be released on Tuesday. This week, it'll be released on Wednesday. So this podcast drops today on Tuesday. So you'll see it tomorrow. Yes. Please share both podcasts with all of your peeps. Yes. Share them extensively. Like if you think you've shared too much, you haven't. You've no, got to keep do on. More. You can always do more. I will. I will start calling you out individually if you do not do more. Yes. And, you know, that sounds like a waste of time, but Ross will do it. So there you have it. Um, last week, we introduced upcoming releases. And this week, we got nothing. Nothing is releasing this week. Nothing. No, it's a very slow release week. So that seems that seems appropriate. We launch something in the next week. We don't have anything. So, Well, I think for that, we'll just move on to trending. Welcome to Trending. Each week, Ross and I gather one article from last week's headlines that's important to us and that we feel is impacting church, culture, and creators, and we discuss it. Ross, what do you have for us this week? Well, I saw an article on thedrum.com, uh, just so we can you know, have the reference if people want to go look it up, about... Which is an English website, a yes. British website. Yes. Which talks about why trust and authenticity are crucial elements of being an influencer and um, branded content can flourish from that. Just kind of some of the basis of the, the article talks about when you work with an influencer, you're working with their audience. So you're buying an audience. Um, and so you want to make sure that the communication is human. You don't want to make it seem not genuine at all. Um, so you really want to make sure, you know, that, that you're using those things. So I think some of us uh, can see that being used in in really good ways and really bad ways as as different influencers, just names we know as they kind of promote different things like Brandon Harvey with Southwest Airlines or something like that. He he does that kind of influencing well. Uh, and then you see some other things fall flat. But um, it's just really interesting to say that um, brands, you know, don't want to get into this cycle of, of being guilty of hiding content or being, you know, less than honest uh, when they come forward. So, um, you know, they want to make sure that they have a good public appearance and using influencers is one of the ways to do that. And what spawned this article from, is it drum.com? The drum, yeah, the drum.com. The drum, what kind of spawned that article and reason for them writing this um, piece on why trust and authenticity, authenticity are important to elements to influencers on content marketing. What spawned this article in particular is there's a YouTuber who's 18 years old and her name is Zolia. 
And uh, I think she's more famous in the EU than she is here in the USA. Um, and she's 18 years old, and she released an advent calendar this past week. It was a, it was the 12 days of Christmas. And typically, whenever people release these advent calendars, what they'll do, or these businesses that release these advent calendars, what they'll do is they'll they'll give you like a bundle. So you get 12 gifts from the company, from the brand. And typically, it's worth a lot more than what you would pay if you bought each individual gift. However, she released a 12-day calendar, and it added up, I think it was like 22 pounds, um, which in American dollars is, I have no idea, whenever it costed 50 pounds. And again, no idea what the translation is on that. Yeah, But she got a lot of flack for releasing something that was $50 when it was really only worth 10 And uh, this is what this article kind of talks about and goes into a little bit is that whenever we're promoting things, whenever we're pushing things, we need to be as authentic as possible. And this really relates into our church world. You know, how often do you hear, come out this Sunday, it's going to be a great event. Whenever you all know for a fact, it's not going to be that good. It's either very vague or you feel like there's going to be a bait and switch. Right. And, you know, this this relates to us as creators and, and, you know, content managers, church workers, whatever we are, it relates to you because you got to think about what you're doing and what you're promoting and whether that's authentic and whether it's lining up to what you're doing. Yeah. And, and you know, I think it does come down to a lot of semantics with, ha- with the words we use too. Don't, don't just always say you don't want to miss or join us, like get past that and use some specific and, um, you know, different words, break out if you need, I do that all the time because I, I'm like, I want to find something that's accurate, but also creates a little bit of excitement about it. Um, so that I'm not, just saying people are like, well, here we go again. They don't want us to miss this. They don't want us to miss anything. You can sound redundant and it can just become either nails on a chalkboard or not seen altogether. Right. And, you know, that's something we think about because, you know, we produce here at Creative Church. I mean, <laughs> we produce a lot of content. And that's something I'm constantly thinking about is how am I promoting this? Uh, am I promoting it honestly? Am I promoting it in a way that communicates to the community that it's an actual a uh, thing of value, but it's not being overhyped. Eventually, if you continue to overhype stuff and you continue to use words like awesome, get here, be here, do this, do that, it's going to be the greatest thing on the planet. Eventually, your words begin to lose meaning. Yes. People begin to uh-huh. lose faith in your brand. Yep. And you don't ever want that because branding is such a it's such a great and wonderful revelation that we've had over the past, what, 50 years? And this reputation that our churches and our companies that they hold and they're able to hold because we're able to promote a clear message. Yeah, you don't want people to shouldn't be lost. say, you keep using those words. I don't think they mean what you think they mean. <laughs> what do you got for us, Nick? Oh, yeah, of course. My my, my, my article. My article is kind <laughs> of a, a little bit lighter. Um, mine's Spotify's data-driven outdoor ads. Uh, Ross, are you ready to make some New Year's resolutions? I, I can oh, <laughs> have the I, ability <laughs> to. I don't usually, but go ahead. You don't, you don't make New Year's resolutions? Not, not usually. No New Year's goals for I you? Can, Nothing? I can make them any day of the year. Why, oh, why does it oh, have okay. to be one day? I, I like to make New Year's okay. resolutions. I like them. Well, I, I know most people don't really like them, but Spotify, they, they've, they've had some fun suggestions regardless based on the amusing, particular, peculiar habits of its user base. Um, if you've seen these Spotify outdoor ads, they're being called probably one of the most entertaining ad campaigns of 2017. And uh, what they've done is Spotify has taken and crunched its user data into cleverly transformed witty headline billboards 
based around fun little tidbits of user data. Uh, they've been rifting on the ups and downs of uh, our suddenly unhinged world uh, with the headline 2018 goals. Uh, they're currently being featured in New York City, New York. Uh, here are a few of our favorites um, from this campaign. But if you want to see more, you can go to creativechurch.com. Uh, so here we go. 2018 goals. Be something Bruno Mars likes. It's a good goal. That's Solid. A, that, I'll be honest with you. I'll make that every day of the year. Well, of course. Yeah, of course. You know, that doesn't have to. You're right. You're right. That doesn't have to be on January 1st. You can make that any <laughs> day of the year. Because that's, that's something you want. I mean, I had, I want I that had Jordan Peele like a tweet of mine. And I feel like I'm good for 2017. What? How are you still on this podcast? I know, right? I'm telling you, things coming. I gotta. There's gonna be some some kind of going into hiding after some scandal. So, oh my gosh, it, it, oh, beware of oof. never nudes. Never nudes. Okay, uh, 2018 goal: uh, be as loving as the person who put 48 Ed Sheeran songs on their "I Love You" Ginger playlist. I thought it was "I Love Ginger's" playlist. You're absolutely correct. That is exactly what it says, and I misread that, but it's okay. Um, I still think that's pretty funny. Uh, Ed Sheeran is a ginger, I'm assuming. He's, he's very orange of head. He's very, he's like, is he like character? I've never seen Ed Sheeran in my life. Have you seen Prince? What's the, what's the Prince that's a redhead? It's so uh, like, like Charles? No, I think that's the one that's balding. Um, I don't know. Anyways, he is redheaded. So you think for all the England obvious. articles that we do, we well, would come up with and if you Prince like was. music, I'm surprised you don't know what he looks like. Has he... He took I love with Lecrae as well. Oh, well, don't get me wrong. Now, I do love Ed Sheeran. Um, I, I like his album cover, his new The Divide album cover. It's yeah. really cool. But you just don't but know I, what he looks like in the face. No, I've never seen him. Okay. So, Fair enough. Oh, there he is. Okay. Oh, it kind of looks like a hobbit. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, 2018 goals. Avoid the medical professionals who have put these songs on their operation playlist. This one was by far my favorite. Um, you know how sometimes you see on medical shows, and I guess they really do this in real life, where um, medical professionals will, or surgeons, uh, will put an operation playlist on while they're operating on somebody. Well, avoid these who have put... If you see uh, this avoid, on the medical professionals playlist, steer clear. Steer clear. Yeah, just get, get out. Get out. Because <laughs> these are, like I said, these are my favorite. Uh, number one, stressed out. Number two... Can't feel my face. Mm, I want to be able to feel my face after a surgery. <laughs> Any surgery. Number three, say you won't let me go. And number four, hold on. Here it comes. Stairway to heaven. <laughs> I feel like that would take me back to like seventh grade homecoming. Really? Stairway to heaven would? Yeah. Wow. How old are you, Ross? Very. Very. <laughs> uh, it's fun. It's a fun look at how advertisers are uh, exploiting the data that they're collecting from us um, and making sense of everything, you know, in witty little headlines. But you can go see more of those at creativechurch.com. Next up, our interview with Stephen Brewster. Stephen Brewster has had quite a career in the music industry and ministry, and he is currently the executive director of Creative Arts at Freedom House Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, and the co-host of a new podcast called Free to Lead with their pastor, Troy Maxwell. Here's my interview with Stephen Brewster. Stephen, you are the definition of hustle and never settling. <laughs> I think when I think of you, that is exactly what I think of. What do those mean to you? Like never settling and, and just the hustle. 
Yeah, it's so well. First off, thanks. That's very kind. I think. I think hustle's misunderstood. I think people, people, we've created hustle to like become a bad word. So either you you hustle because you're out of balance and your whole life is is a wreck and you just work like a zillion hours a, a week, or like you just have no life and all you do is work. And so I that's not what hustle is to me. Hustle is to me is like all about making sure that everything that you do is with intentionality and focus. And so I hustle just as hard when I'm on vacation with my kids as I do when I'm in the middle of a campaign or a creative project. And so um, like I don't, I don't subscribe to hustle as out of balance because I think the balance is subjective anyway. Every person has their own balance, you know. What's well, balanced? You for don't me. compartmentalize your hustle. No, not at all. Hustles are your approach. It's how you approach what you do, and 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 the effort that you get to control. Like I'm by far the least talented person um, doing the job that I do. So because I don't have the talent that some of my peers have, I have a responsibility to make sure that, in lieu of talent, I provide effort. And so I can't control my talent meter, but I can control my effort meter. And so I'm going to give everything I got, but I'm not going to give everything I got to my job and like sacrifice my family or, or my relationships or those kind of things. So I have the responsibility to st stewardship and hustle go hand in hand, you know, mm, and then not settling. I, you know, it's funny. I worked at, a, I worked at a in the music business for a little, for a while, actually a long time. And, um, we had a guy and, and he asked me this question one time and it completely convicted me, but then I kind of felt like, Oh no, that's actually a good thing. We had, we had a campaign that, that worked really well. And, uh, I was like, man, if we could have just like fixed this part and this part, it would have been like the perfect campaign. And he's like, you're never, you're never satisfied. Are you? And I was hmm. like, Hmm, I'm content, but I'm not satisfied. Hmm. And uh, you know, the Bible's pretty clear about contentment and how we need to live our life content. And I, I can say that I'm I'm content. I'm I'm content with with where I'm at in life and with what's happening in life and and you know, with our team and all that that kind of stuff, but I'm not satisfied. I know there's more. And so yeah. I think any visionary leader probably understands that there's more to be to be accomplished or, or to be gained. And, and they don't settle for like, Hey, this is good enough. Good enough. Never is good enough. Instead, we're going to go get the best. We're going to go get everything that we can accomplish and, and, and give our best effort. So those are, that's kind of how I would answer those questions. So with that said, what would be a way, um, and this can totally be for you personally. I know it may not necessarily apply to everybody, but what's a way that you refuel that you can just kind of have that moment to, to you know, you empty yourself out as you're hustling in, in all the areas, but then you might need to refuel yourself or be fed yourself. What are some ways that you look at doing that or you've seen other creators do? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So I think it's, you know, I think, I think everybody has their, their refueling mechanism. You know, and for everybody, it's probably a little different for me, yeah. for me, like I'm, I'm an extrovert. Um, I used to be an extreme extrovert as I'm getting older, I'm becoming more introverted. 
So, I want to know what more extrovert Brewster looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was pretty out there. Um, so, but as I'm getting older, I realize like I need more time, like by myself to just like chill and think and process, you know, um, music's huge for me. Like if I'm, I need music all the time. Like if I don't have music, I'm, I'm toast. So what's I, on your playlist right now? Oh gosh. I mean, all kinds of stuff. I mean, it really depends on the day, you know, and, and the thing is, is I, you know, I mean, even though I grew up in Nashville, country music's not my, really my jam, but, <laughs> but all of my uh, girls and, listen to country music. I have, I have three oh, girls so and sorry. a boy and they love, so unfortunately I get a heavy dose of, of that as well, but I listen to everything. I was actually listening to this really cool uh, holiday cocktail party playlist on Apple this morning. Um, and I, I've started to just listen to the chill station on Apple music as well a lot, just for like that good ambient back background music. You know, I mean, I think the new Eminem song is crazy. Um, I actually think the new U2 song is nuts. American soul. Like it's probably my favorite U2 song in the last 10 years. Um, cool. yeah, I mean, there's, I just love music. So anything. Yeah. So music is a, is a great way for you huge, to recharge. Is there huge, anything else? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that's those are my primaries. Just kind of getting some space, alone time, and then, and then filling it up with some music. And being intentional about that, I'm sure you have to kind of create that margin yourself uh, oh, yeah. and be diligent about it. Absolutely. And then I, I, I actually like my our family. We go to the beach every summer, and that is like the the shutdown time. Like I go super hard when I'm at work. I go hard. But when I go on vacation, I go on vacation hard. And so, like, I'm, I don't work the whole time I'm there. I might check email a couple times on my phone. But I, I don't even really open my computer the whole time I'm there. And I just I just literally dive all the way in on um, on vacation. So oh, That's great. Because I think as creators, one of the things we can do is, you know, all the – kind of recharge, rest and, and refuel can sound good in theory. But, uh, I think a lot of people, especially as they're getting into a creative space, whether that's in ministry, out of ministry, entrepreneurship or whatever, uh, there's definitely a lot of go, go, go. Those type of people have their brains constantly on alert thinking all the time. Um, they just need to know that, man, I need to block out some me time. I need to just make sure that I'm taking this time, to do it. And, and like you said, however they need to recharge might look different for everyone, but just to find their sweet spot and be intentional about it, I think is an important way to look well, at it. And that's the funny thing. Like, so um, if, if our bosses went over to the, uh, to the finance department and the finance team was like, Hey, I need new batteries for my calculator. They'd be handed new batteries. Well, our calculators are our creativity. And so you got to re you got to change the batteries and recharge the batteries every now and then, or else it's, it's just not going to work. And so, so there's, we shouldn't feel guilty for watching the YouTube video every now and then, or, or, um, or taking a half a day to go do something that refuels us creatively because we're giving out all the time. Um, so speaking of, of, of hustle, you have recently started a leadership podcast with uh, your pastor of Freedom House, Troy Maxwell, and uh, coming out once a month, I believe you yeah, said, Free to so Lead is the free name? To, free to Lead is our podcast, and it comes out once a month. 
and it'll come out the the second Tuesday of each month. And uh, yeah, we've we got several in the can right now. Some really great interviews, and just some. Pr- we're trying to be like super practical with our leadership um, expressions, and just you know talk about creativity, talk about leadership, talk about the things that practitioners experience in church. You know, we titled the podcast "Free to Lead" because um, our church is Freedom House Church. And everything we do, we want to equip people to experience Christ's freedom in their life every day. And so a lot of times I think in leadership, leadership can get lonely and leadership can get uh, become a, a um, more of a burden than a pleasure. And so we wanted people to experience the freedom that comes with being the leader God's called you to be. And so uh, Free to Lead just felt like the right title. And our purpose behind the podcast is is really to just dig in and talk about the things that we experience. So, um, you know, we did a we did a um, a podcast on the the relationship between the creative pastor and the senior pastor, and what does that look like, and what do they need from each other? You know, uh, we did one about the little things in leadership, the things that that like a lot of times we'll look for these grandiose leadership principles, but a lot of times there's just these little things in your life that matter that you need to have uh, focus on and, and pay attention to. And when you don't, it affects your personal leadership and your, your organizational leadership. So, um, you know, we're, we're super excited about, about kind of the things God's given us to talk about and we hope it helps people. That's really all the only reason we're doing it. So we're just trying to put it out there to give people uh, another resource, another tool in their toolbox to get better as leaders and creative. One of the things I'm guilty of when I listen to podcasts is I, I can sit there and take notes. I can hear this. Oh, man, these are some ways to to apply this to your job, your creative space, your ministry, your leadership, whatever. Um, and, and then sometimes when I get to the the grind of it, it's, it's hard for me to kind of maybe find a place to put that in practice or to really execute on, on the great ideas that are put out there. And I'm not singling out your podcast or anything. I'm just saying in general, that's one of my issues. I think that's one thing I've seen creatives have happen as well as like, they just love to hear all these ideas and stuff. And then sometimes it falls flat in their own space. Um, and, and maybe someone listening to this kind of feels that same way. What's what's an encouragement or, or maybe something that you would say, man, take this from just listening and and really put it into action, even if it's a small step. I mean, I, I think of what about Bob, just baby steps to the door, you know, like <laughs> right, right. So so I think I think there, there's there's I I want to challenge the way you look at it. Okay. Okay. Instead of looking at every applicable step from a podcast has to turn around and be applied instantly to your leadership or your creativity. What if, what if some of, sometimes you're just learning a lesson or gaining a tool that you're going to need to use later? Okay. And so I don't know that application, one of the, the, the most amazing things about great creatives, the better a creative leader is, the more simple they're able to make things. And, um, I would challenge that we need to subtract more than we add. And so sometimes listening to podcasts and things like that are ways to learn new best practices. But that doesn't mean we need to apply them all because if we do, then all of a sudden everything's going to be schizophrenic. Sometimes we just need to listen to something, learn the principle, and then figure out the application, how it applies to our culture. And sometimes some of it doesn't apply to our culture. 
you know, yeah. I've gone through quite a bit of transition in the last 18 months. And, and what I'm learning is, you know, it's not about Xeroxing culture. It's about cultivating culture. And so we have a responsibility to, to protect and enhance the cultures that we're in and learn our best from our best, but then figure out the, the, the code to how you apply that over time. Yeah. And even having some of those ideas just in the brainstorming hopper, like an Evernote or, or note keeping app, you're just like, man, I remember hearing this one thing and now is when it applies maybe later on down the road. So speaking of transition, which you mentioned, you have had quite a bit of, um, man, some people may not know your story. Those, those that are just being introduced to who you are or, or kind of want to know more about the man behind the legend. Um, no, just you've had some life changes, some starting over, some some time to to just really work on on mental, emotional, spiritual health, and then you had a life changing breakfast, and I want you to tell me about all of that. Okay, so um, you know we were at Cross Point Church forever. Um, that was our 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 family, our tribe, our people. Uh, we got the 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 pleasure and the privilege of helping build something really, really fun there. And then things kind of fell apart a little bit uh, at the end and for us. And um, we needed a, we needed a break. We needed a space to go and kind of catch our breath. Uh, we were really close to a fire that was burning super hot, and it probably burnt us a little bit as well. And so um, God provided the opportunity for us to go to a church in Florida for five months. Well, we didn't know it would be five months. So we left Nashville, moved to Florida, thinking we were just going to work at another church. And after about five months, we realized that that wasn't um, the place for us. Not that the church wasn't great. They're a ph phenomenal church. They're doing great ministry. It just wasn't the right fit for who we are. We didn't fit them. They knew who they were and what they were doing. And that wasn't who we were. So we couldn't figure out who we, who we were. We were a little bit crazy. And uh, God opened the door for us to, to go meet with one of our mentors in Atlanta. We had breakfast with him and um, he asked some really phenomenal questions. And, you know, what's funny is, is Jackie and I drove up there to, to have a conversation with him, to have breakfast with him, hoping he'd give us the answers. But like any good mentor, he really just gave us good questions. So we had a six hour drive back home to process all the questions. And we realized what kind of God was calling us to do and um, who we were called to reach. And that was, we needed to work with and around, you know, 20, 20 year olds that we get energy out of that. Um, we were called to, to serve uh, a ministry that was comfortable with the gray and wasn't super black and white, that was um, focused and cared about unchurched and de-churched people. And um, we wanted to build something. We wouldn't be fulfilled or happy managing somebody else's widget we had to get in and, and build and, and create something and so as we were interviewing with several churches um those were the, the questions that kind of haunted us and uh, god opened a door for us to come to uh freedom house church in charlotte and uh we've been here for about eight months now and it's been great and um yeah we're, we're grinding we have an awesome team here and uh we're gonna just give it everything we got so so landing at Freedom House and, and kind of getting to work right away, what are 
um, some challenges, some surprises that you found as you landed there? Yeah. So um, I think the challenge is always when you've come out of a big organization, you big organizations or successful organizations, let's just say that it's not even about size. It just successful organizations create patterns that work for that organization. And so you can't take those patterns and superimpose them over another organization. Um, and so one of the biggest things that I've learned is trying to figure out what is the, what's the code that I need to crack to help make Freedom House the best it can be in the areas where I'm responsible. And so I can't take and cut and paste what I did at Freedom House, at Crosspoint or, um, or any of the other churches that I've had a joy working at or the music industry. Um, I've got to take what I know and my, my leadership ability and, and, and the creative things that I've learned and then figure out how those fit here at Freedom House and then how we take those and maximize them. And then how do I maximize all the great stuff that this church already has? And, um, you know, our church is, is, is awesome. And I'm, I'm super excited. We've been around for 15 years. Uh, we, we've just gone multi-site this year. We'll launch another campus next year. And, uh, I'm excited about the future. I think I think there's some really cool things happening. I I love the way our exec team is starting to come together, and yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun. So as you're getting geared up for all that's coming for Freedom House, um, what are some you know questions you ask yourself and and of those around you, and um, as you're looking to surround yourself with talent, like what are those yeah. questions and uh, things? That's a great you ask? question. That's a great question. So. I think, you know, there, there's several personality types that you need represented on your creative team. And so there, I, there, I, I think there's actually eight of them. Um, and really quickly, I can run them down for you if, if that would help. Um, but I think like you got to have a conceptualist. You got to have somebody who's an idea creator. And that's like the, the thing that they do best. And then you need an enhancer, somebody who's good with DNA. They're a tinkerer a little bit. They're going to go in and tinker around. Um, with ideas to make them feel right. Um, you need an architect and that's somebody who has the ability to translate, negotiate and, and, and make ideas move from concept to execution. They have to speak creative and also speak ministry. Uh, you need a pioneer and that's somebody who's going to be first. They're, they're challenging what we do and how we do it. They always want to do something new and never been done before. And they're early adopters. Um, you need somebody who's going to weave story into everything that you do. You need somebody who's going to quality control and they, they see all the little details about how people experience what you do. Uh, you need a curator who understands the timing around ideas. And then you need an antagonist to punch holes in ideas. And so for me, as I'm building a new team, cause you know, I went from Crosspoint, which we had like 21 people on our creative team only to freedom house where I have like two full-time and two um, contract uh, team members. And so, you know, I stepped from being, from being a creative leader to being an actual practitioner again. Like I'm doing MailChimps, which is really, really scary for everyone who receives a mail, an email from our church. But um, like, so now I'm looking at our team and I'm going, okay, who, what is it, of those eight personality types, what's represented in our organization? And then how do I fill those holes? And, and what tools and talents do I have on my team? And then how do I maximize those and then make sure that I'm putting others around us to make sure that we're creating our best stuff? So it's fun. Like I, I got here and the first day I got here, my man, Mark Pedlow, 
um, who was our video guy, he told me like, Hey, I, I don't really love video. And then I told him about this other role that I wanted to, to create. And he's like, Oh, I would love to do that. And so literally I took the video guy and gave him the, the job, the project management job and he's crushing it. And now I had to go hire a new video guy. And so when I'm hiring on a creative team, I'm always looking for, for young creative uh, people who under who can be flexible and uh, want to be part of a, a team, and and then if I can find those things, then I can get I can get with it. Yeah, and that really says a lot to finding the right person for the right position instead of just trying to fill a role. I, I'm I'm about the people every time. The people supersede the position. Um, if you put great people around them and you treat them like superheroes. Um, which means correcting them sometimes as well, but, but, but you cultivate people, then your team can get special. So we talked about some tools that, uh, leaders and creators can have in their back pocket. What are some tools that you use to lead yourself as you're leading your team and and building your team? Oh, that's a great question, Ross. Um, well, I, I listen to podcasts all the time. Um, I read books all the time. Um, I, there's, I use Flipboard like at an unhealthy volume <laughs> um, just cause I'm so ADD that I can't like, if I go to Mashable and try to find out what's happening in tech, it looks like the entire internet threw up on the Mashable website. And so like Flipboard's a curating uh, app that makes it super visual. And so for somebody who, like me who loves the visuals and learns visually, I need that in order to kind of figure out my best. Um, and then, you know, I mean, there's a bunch of other tools, pixels on unsplash. Um, we use proof hub as a project management tool. Um, I, I think everybody in America uses planning center. Um, you know, Pinterest, that was Pinterest was the 11th commandment that Moses threw out because he knew that nobody had computers at the time, but I don't know how churches did church before Pinterest. So Oh yeah. I mean, if you, if you don't have at least one pallet board, you're, you're doing it you're wrong. Failing. You're, you're failing. You're <laughs> failing. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's break it down, uh, into maybe creativity in general. Um, cause, cause creative church has a unique position and, and we have quite a breadth of, uh, people that interact on our Facebook page and are, are just kind of in general, looking at the things that's going on with creative church, um, everywhere from just getting into creative space to people that have been there for a very long time and are are pretty settled in what they're doing. Um, what are maybe some things or questions that creators can be thinking about asking themselves, um, to set themselves up for a successful career? Um, you know, one of the things creators can have is like this imposter syndrome, but to know and have that confidence of like, man, I, I get to do this. This is amazing. I am talented. Um, and, and not feel like, man, do they know that they're paying me to do this? And, you know, that kind of thing. And and really kind of turn that from a self-defeating thing to being the best creator they can be. I think the first thing is to remember that, um, Connectivity supersedes cool. So we can make the coolest thing in the world if it doesn't connect to our communicators, our pastors, the vision of our church. Um, then it can just be super cool and have no impact. 
but then a lot of times we'll 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 be tasked to create things that are that we don't feel like are cool. So how but they're super connected and they can have massive impact. So it's our responsibility to figure out how to make them cool, you know. Um I, I think also like remembering that we're here to serve our pastors and our leaders. Um there's there's nothing better than than an employee who's looking to take pressure off of a leader, not put pressure on a leader. Um, when, when somebody is consciously trying to help their, their boss get better, it's amazing how fast they get better. Um, I think that, um, we have to remember that, um, we're called to be the, the, uh, creative compass for our church. So, we have to push the envelope and, and, and take chances and, and kind of grow out past where maybe some people are comfortable, but never so far that we lose the connection to our congregation. And so that's like, we have to stay tethered, but we have to be the lead horse that's that's staying tethered, you know? And, and a lot of times that's going to create a tension that we have to be comfortable with. And we have to be comfortable with no and with being told that's too far. And not let that personally affect us. Our identity should not be entrapped in the things that we create. Um, if we're going to stay healthy in, in, in doing creative church work, we have to find the balance of our, of our um, ability to be an artist and not find our identity in the art we create. One of the best ways I've heard it put, and I didn't hear it put until uh, I worked for the lead pastor that I currently do is, um, all of the things that we do on a weekend in a creative aspect from how the atrium looks to how the auditorium feels to the things we're putting up on the screen, to the songs we're singing, to the videos we're doing. Um, you know, he likened it to the stained glass in a Catholic church. That was a very visual way for people to have that connection. Like you were just saying, um, and, and really to see God in this, piece of art that was created. It represented a, a part of God and, and, you know, the 12 stations, if anybody's familiar with Catholicism, um, that kind of thing, it re represented a moment uh, in time of, of this journey, um, spiritual journey. And he said, man, what we do now is the modern stained glass. It's not, you know, sun coming through a window, but it is maybe a little bit of haze and some lights because honestly we have a, a resident um, and man, Cody is programming the lights and he kills it. But watching him program the lights is one of my favorite things to do because it's an empty auditorium and he just has it blast. He has the music blasting um, that he's programming to whatever song and he is dancing while he is programming lights. This is, oh dude, it is incredible. So it makes me think of that. Like, man, you know, that's, that's just one of the things where he's pouring everything into it. Um, you know, and, and you, you, you get the naysayers, you get the people that say it's not a rock show or anything, but I think if we plug into the main source, we're doing it for, if we are representing and, and, um, honoring Christ through what we're creating, I think that's worth it all right there. And hopefully someone sees that they're not saying, Oh, shut down the haters, because you want to be sensitive to how people connect, but what's right for your culture. Right. Exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing is culture, because I think who you're trying to reach is so important. And when you don't have a defined target audience, 
and I don't mean like 35 year old male that lives in the suburbs and drives a minivan, like that kind of demographic. I'm just saying, I mean like the guy who like understanding where the people who are, who you're trying to reach in your community live, you know, if zero is completely atheist and 20 is fully devoted follower of Christ and 10 is where somebody meets Christ. What are the five points on that chart that your church is reaching, you know? And once you identify that, then how do you, how do you make sure that everything you're making fits that, that five point spectrum? How can people find inspiration in the everyday? Because sometimes creating in a ministry setting, even as you're maybe doing it on your own or, or, you know, somewhere else, uh, can feel like a grind. So what's, What's some ways that you've seen it be successful in finding inspiration in the everyday? So I'm going to give you three really quick. Okay. First one is you got to keep your antenna up. You got to always be looking for that creative inspiration. It's around you and you're, you're responsible to steward every moment that you're, that you see. Um, you need to, to, to capture every idea that you have. So every time you have an idea, you need to write it down. You need to, um, Everything that you see that you think is cool, you need to, to to catalog it somewhere. You hear a song, you see a video, you see a, a window display that could be a cool stage design. Whatever it is, you're going to capture, 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 capture. Okay. Then the last one is break your routine every now and then. Okay. Uh, we live new new canvases provide new opportunities for new ideas, and when we don't create a break in our routine, we become completely sterile creatively like we'll become numb and so if you drive to work one way drive to work a different route you know listen to a different radio station go work in a different office or in a different coffee shop than you normally do like find ways to intentionally break your routine that's three quick easy ways to literally start grabbing ideas everywhere To keep up with Stephen, you can follow him on Twitter and Instagram at B underscore Rooster, R-E-W-S-T-E-R, or check out his website at stephenbrewster.me. Nate and Rachel Parrish are a husband and wife singer-songwriter duo from Bakersfield, California. Currently serving as the worship and creative directors at Hinge Point Church in Bakersfield, they combine their love of folk, Americana, as well as good old-fashioned rock and worship at the same time. Here's my interview with Rachel and Nate Parrish. So what is what is kind of your background? What's your history? What's your Where's your story? Where are you going? Where are you heading? So um, when I met Rachel, uh, she was already doing music as a solo artist, Rachel Bishop. And uh, I was doing, I was in a band called Worth Dying For, like a, like a worship band, rock worship. And um, my roommates were uh, listening to her CD all the time. And I, uh, they're like, dude, you should, you should meet this girl. She's awesome. I think you like her. And I refused. Um, I was like, no, I don't want to meet her. I think I was, you know, I'm the musician here. I don't want another musician. You know, I'm supposed to be the one, the cool one or whatever. Uh, was, she was just intimidating. But uh, we ended up meeting college group in um you know long story short we got married and we both did music but we never did music together um and so uh two two and a half years ago we started um 
I had some songs and she had some songs. We started working on them together and uh, we do a lot of things well, but we really have to work at songwriting do, yeah. doing that together because that's probably the one of the only times we fight is during the songwriting process. Um, but so we, we got married and we started writing music together um, and leading worship together and all that stuff. And um, we both have like an affinity for Americana kind of like a, Fleetwood Mac, Rachel loves Stevie Nicks. I love yeah. Stevie Nicks. My sister's name is Rhiannon. Uh, so growing up, you know, that kind of music was was big. But we didn't really, uh, you know, especially in worship, you don't hear a lot of those influences. Like, you don't, you don't hear a lot of, oh, yeah, this worship band sounds like Fleetwood Mac or Johnny Cash or something like that. Um, but we really liked that kind of music. And so we just started, you know, ah, forget it. Let's just write yeah. worship music that we wish we heard, you know. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we, um, you know, the parish thing came from and, uh, we just love doing it. We lead worship now, uh, in Bakersfield, we're worship directors there. And, um, yeah, we, we, uh, we just try to write worship that we would like to hear ourselves, yeah. you know, yeah. we're selfish that way. Um, now this new song led by the light, did you guys write that together or was it one of you? Yeah, we wrote it together. Um, there were some, some lyrics I had in a notebook, um, when we first got married, uh, our the beginning of our marriage was pretty tough as far as circumstance. Um, we both lost our jobs within six months of getting married. We got married right at the height of the recession. And so our jobs were just, it was just a really bad time to lose your job. <laughs> <laughs> so um, through that, you know, I, I was starting to write songs again. And uh, some of these lyrics uh, in the verses the verses talk about, um, you know, if the well should run dry, I'll drink from the sky. Uh, basically, because we didn't, at we that had time, nothing. we had nothing else, you know. Yeah. And so the concept of the well runs dry, so we'll just wait for it to rain because that's kinda, our only option. That's all we got left. Yeah. And uh, we um, about it was about a year ago when we when we started to explore possibly um, becoming a worship you know, pastors, directors, whatever, kind of stepping out that way, uh, this kind of resurfaced. It was another time in our life where things were um, unstable, you know, and we had to depend on God. And so busted out these lyrics, say, hey, we got some, we got these lyrics, let's just try to just make this a song. And, and so that's where the song came from was kind of like, a, we started, we started the process when we first got married. And then years later, we finished it. Yeah, it was kind of, um, kind of bringing us to the point like where we just realize as long as as long as we have the lord then we'll at each other we will be okay which is a difficult place to be but um creativity is always bred in massive heartache so you've kind of touched on this a little bit already but i do want to ask where do you draw your inspiration from well like yeah kind of like rachel said um Circumstances, circumstances are really man. a huge one. I feel like the best songs are written out of pain um, or some sort of... Uh, Massive life change. Yeah, I mean, it could just be because I'm like Debbie Downer, but I don't write a ton of like poppy songs. Um, not because I don't like them. It's just, um, I think for, for me, uh, songwriting and music has been um, kind of an, an escape for me and, and when things are great I don't really need to get out of it um which is something I could work on I need to write more you know in those times as well because 
praising God when it's good is important yeah. as well. But um, for me, it usually comes from, um, ah, I got, you know, I got nothing else and I can't, I find it easier to express things with music than just like talking to someone about it, you know? So it's kind of my way, even with Rachel, like she, she'll, she'll see lyrics and she's like, oh, I didn't know that was going yeah. Like, because I it's never been good at saying it, but I can write it. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Now, you said there's some tension whenever you guys write. I know me and my wife, <laughs> me and my wife create a lot together. Um, yep. So what was the tension? Can we, can we know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the tension. Uh, I think it comes from our backgrounds and the way we approach. The way we approach songwriting is really different. Yeah. And so um, I weirdly write songs in a lot of silence. And so, um, and so the way Nate writes is constant playing. And so, as you can imagine, when we're in the same room Mm -hmm. together, I just, it's just just not good. She just like hushes me, basically. Yeah. (laughs) Like, be quiet. I'm thinking of something. And then I'm like, no, you have to hear, you know, the the chords and the melodies to know what to do. And it's like, no, no, I need it quiet. So it's like, yeah, it gets pretty tense. When we have different... (laughs) We have different backgrounds. Like she's classically trained um, music theory and all that. And so, and I'm not, you know. Yeah. So our language, it's like a foreign language. language. It's so crazy. What, what is your song process, songwriting process? What does it typically look like for you guys? The process, I mean, it kind of is different depending on if Rachel already has something. But um, I'll write some lyrics, you know, just kind of some thoughts. And I might have a chord progression, but a lot of times I'll just ask Rachel, play something or can you sing a melody for this? You know, I'll put the, we'll have it, she'll get on the piano and I'll put the lyrics in front of her and say, can you sing this? Like make that, make a melody for this. And uh, then we'll kind of go from there mm-hmm. um, and, and tweak it and stuff. But it's actually, that process is fine. It's, it's, um, you know, kind of learning how to uh, streamline that. So we don't end up killing, wanting to kill each other yeah. in the middle of it. But I think, you know, I could be wrong on this, but I feel like that's that's the easiest. Yeah, and we're starting to find a system that works. How do you know whenever you're finished? Um, it's usually when I am hungry and I have to eat. <laughs> <laughs> that's, when, that's when we're done. That's um, when you're done. I don't know. You, yeah, <laughs> we're done now. Like done with the song. Like done with the song. Done with the song. Like finished. It's 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 good. It's good to go. It's good to publish. Mm. Usually I, we run it by. Um, when we do song, when we record, we record with my brother, Matt, who he lives down in LA. And um, he's like the, we'll get a general idea and then he'll really just polish it off. Yeah. You know, I'm kind of learning. Man, he's the best. You know, you kind of want to let people do their strengths, you know? And uh, so this, this song, I had a totally different idea for how the drums would sound and everything. And so I played it for him and then he kind of, he programmed like a, a, a drum just to kind of for recording instead of a click, we'll use like a drum beat and he'll just off the top of his head, like kind of come up with this beat. And it's typically so awesome. something like that. And yeah. so it sounds different than it did in my head, but I just kind of let him run with it. And I like how it turns out. And it's, it's cool because it's different than, than something I would, we would have just done by ourselves. But, um, when we feel like a song is done, I mean, you got your basics, you know, we're, we're kind of trying to bridge this gap of, uh, congregational worship meets, I, I don't know. I mean, just, just writing music for the sake of writing music. Like we're worship pastors. So 
who write worship music. Right. But it's not always, um, I guess it's not super typical, but we kind of want to see if we want to bridge that gap. You know what I mean? And so we'll write a song with like a, a, a typical um, song structure. You know? Yeah, yeah, First yeah, chorus, yeah. first chorus, bridge, whatever. Um, so we try to keep like the structure pretty, pretty simple so it can be done in worship. But stylistically, we kind of, you know, um, do something a little different. But yeah, so we will know it's done if it just kind of feels like we play through the whole thing, sing it all, and then it feels right. It's done. You know, and if Matt has any ideas, then we kind of mm-hmm. let him tweak it. Do you find it a challenge to edit, ever edit yourself? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm um, for me personally, I'm I'm kind of a perfectionist. Um, I'm, I'm in a in a bad way. Like I used to when I'm drawing growing up, I would I would erase a picture so many times that I'd wear a hole into the paper, and um, be, just because of that. And so with music and stuff, um, it kind of carries over, um, but. You know, kind of learning to, like I said, you you know, just do the things that that um, serve the song, yeah, and, and being okay with not doing every little thing you could do, you know, because then it's, it's endless. Just do what serves the song, and when you feel like this sounds like a complete song, you get your point across, then you know, leave it alone. Especially in worship, you I mean you ultimately the music is supporting the lyrics, right? The lyrics and melody. And so you could have all these fancy guitar parts, but if it distracts from the message, you, you know, you kind of shot yourself in the foot. From my perspective, at least. Uh, well, what advice would you give people who are looking to dive into singer songwriter uh, into this world? What, what advice would you give them? Just do whatever Bieber does. What? Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Um, Don't be afraid. Yeah. Th- you know, there's a, a million people out there who can write songs and melodies and do things better than I can and Rachel can and you mm-hmm. can, but there's only one you. So do what you want to do. Right? Yeah, do write the songs right you want to want to write. Mm-hmm. I feel like you know looking over songs and, and like the best songs I can think of um, are just they're good because you know that the person meant it when they're writing it. Yeah, you know. And they're not even like crazy complicated or like these, you know, they're just good. A good song is just a good song. Mm-hmm. And so as a, as a songwriter, just be true to who you are. And it's difficult to not kind of get pushed around by like what's trendy and what's what's happening. Because it's easy to hop on what someone else is doing and kind of you can kind of get popular that way. And that's that's fine, I guess. But I would say just. Make the kind of music that you love. Yeah. And don't worry about the rest. And don't give up. Um, or don't think that, because songwriting is something that you you work at and you work on. It's like a muscle that you build up. And so if your songs aren't like a Grammy winning hit right away, it's not really that big of a deal. I always think about um, Dave Grohl talks about his frustrations with, uh, YouTube and how people get YouTube famous and that's all people want and they just want to be really great right away and how the Foo Fighters or Nirvana I think it was Nirvana mm-hmm. they just sucked super bad and they just kept playing anyways mm-hmm. and now they're Nirvana and everyone knows them and um, they just kept going and so with songwriters and musicians period just keep going just keep going that's what I would say
Yeah, and you'll you'll throw away about five hundred songs. Yep. Before you find, you know, the a couple of song. good ones. So don't be afraid to write a song and then realize, eh, it's not the greatest thing, and move on. You know, just keep moving forward. Keep writing. Just keep writing. To find out more about Nate and Rachel and to download their latest EP, visit the podcast episode page on our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. Welcome to Reply All, where each week we pose a question and give you the chance to answer in our Creative Talks Facebook group on Facebook. Last week we asked That's if where you had a Facebook group would be. That would that would be where a Facebook group would be. <laughs> I, I say that every week. You know, I'm just really and it cracks people, me up every week. We're reiterating the fact that it is on Facebook. Um last week we asked if you had any superpower, what would it be and why? You hit us up on our Creative Talks group on Facebook. Is that a Facebook group on Facebook? That's a, face, that's a Facebook group oh, on Facebook. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and you answered, here are a few of our favorites in no particular order or reading. So Abraham came strong with this one, in my opinion, to turn anything into churros or Del Taco. I am down with some churros for sure. Are you down with the Del Taco? I can be. I mean, it's nothing that I'm like a destination when I'm around it, but... um. I have no complaints against it. I notice a lot of my friends on the East, oh, excuse me, on the West Coast love Del Taco. You know what they would say? The West Coast is the best coast. Well, I mean, not, that's not they, my opinion. That is, that is just a thing that is said. They would be liars, but they can, they can say that. Um, my thing is the Del Taco here in Orlando, which I've only had once, tastes like Waffle House, like a Waffle House bathroom. Ooh. and a taco how bell. do you know what a waffle house bathroom tastes like i don't know this is just how i'm picturing oh, it okay you would imagine a, if if you had to put the taste of a waffle house bathroom into food form that would be the del taco yes. in orlando well i'm i'm more thinking that a waffle house bathroom and a taco bell had a baby and then they named that baby del taco oh well i'm sorry for your experience apparently that apparently that is not the experience of abraham um, and probably a lot of other people on the West Coast. There are a lot of things that are, you know, better on the West Coast. And I get that. I get yeah. that. I don't, totally understand. Yeah, Freebirds. Come on now. Yeah, free, yeah, Freebirds. Now, we had one of those in Tulsa. Those are really, really good. Oh, I love Freebirds. I like Freebirds. Mm. Freebirds is a bomb. Started in San Diego. Ooh. Yeah. Um, Brandon Swain said to transform into a swan. No, oh, that's very appropriate. That's nothing I want more. With, with a Brandon beautiful singing be. voice, and then the swan song would very much. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. There's nothing I want more for Brandon. A golden piped swan, a good old Brandon golden pipe swan song, Swain. Oh man, they give me chills just I thinking. Just saying. No, excuse me, goosebumps. Oh, goosebumps. Oh, oh, goosebumps. Oh gosh. Ooh. Um, 
Let's see. We got Zachary Shaddix who said, the ability to stop time and move freely while everything is paused. So he listed some pros and cons about this ability. The pros would be you'd be able to get work on get to work on time. Um, power naps wouldn't hurt your workflow. You could uh, essentially work 24 hours. Man, that'd be pretty good. Oh my gosh, that's my uh, dream job. Get, right? You could get things yeah. done in pause so it feels instant to the world and be like, hey, look, I invented a thing in one second. Um, help the world type stuff. I guess, you know, that's obviously not high on his priority list, but it is a pro. Um, the cons is you might go crazy or you might already be crazy, which I'm thinking the latter is very much the case here. I was thinking if I could, if I could stop time, does that mean I stop aging as well? Because if so, mm. I mean, Ooh, that's a good caveat. I wonder that would be very nice if it would. Yeah. It's like <laughs> you age 60 years in one second would be kind of, uh, <laughs> yeah, I think people would notice. Um, yeah, they might notice that. And, and would uh, you only be able to stop time for a certain amount of time? I don't know. There's a, that's there's a, a good lot question of things, too. A lot of limitations here. I don't know. I don't. I don't know exactly any theories on stopping time. So I don't know. Um, Jason Vernon. He said the ability to build a community like Creative Talks. Brown noser. <laughs> I mean, he's not going to give you free swag, Jason. I'm sorry. Jason is incredible. He was a speaker at, at our Creative Huddles, <laughs> and uh, Ross. Even though he's tearing him down right now, I mean, he's, a, he's a great guy. <laughs> Hey, nobody gets a pass here, dude. No, this, that's right. I wasn't that's a creative right. huddle, so you you got to realize I have no context for this. So you have no context. Jason, yeah, you're Jason. going down in the most loving Christ-like way. Christ, yeah, we're Christ-like on this podcast. Yeah, we like to tease. Um, thanks, Jason. But uh, you can read other comments because there was about twenty this morning. Uh, you can do that by joining our Facebook. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Is that a you Facebook can do group it on Facebook? joining the Facebook group on Facebook. Oh. Oh, I, w- I wanted to join it on Twitter, but I guess uh, that's not going to nope. happen. Nope, you cannot. Um, you can see all the other comments by joining our group on Facebook, and that's Creative Talks. That's CRTV Talks. And in honor of Creative Church celebrating its third annual Creativemas 17, we wanted to ask, what's one Christmas tradition that you have that you secretly dislike or find boring? Nick? What do you find boring or you just don't like all that much? I would say more boring than I don't like. And the reason why I want to preference that because, you know, my family listens to this podcast. (laughs) I actually, I don't know. Mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry. But anyway, (laughs) so uh, each year we go over to my grandparents' house on my my dad's side. And um, it's on a farm. It has absolutely no cell service whatsoever. We just sit there all day long. The gift portion happens the food portion happens and we just sit growing up i found that a lot more fun than i do now because now i'm like okay can can we go whereas you know whenever you're growing up you think oh well i can go play on the farm i can do this i can do that they have you know swings and stuff they don't have that anymore especially for a man of my stature so Ross, what is, what's one thing you dislike or, you know, secretly don't like about your holiday traditions? Man, I, I don't, I, I'm trying to think about that because they've kind of shifted over the years, especially now as um, I have a family, they're just a little less uh, nailed in traditions, but, you know, it was always the kind of have to do stockings first, have to wait for everybody to do stockings. And then, you know, it's all kind of like a, a, um, scheduled <laughs> Christmas morning. Like, nope, we can't do it till everybody's here. Nope. Don't, ah, don't you dare think about touching or jingling that package, you know? So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I wasn't too fan. It seemed a little more structured back in my youth, but, uh, now 
it's pretty free flow. That's that's one thing I've always loved about my family is we really don't have any hardcore traditions. Yeah. You know, it's always like we're together, we're hanging yeah. out, and we just do stuff. Oh, and, and we I have love like that. milestone. That we have milestone ornaments that I am a fan of. I like having those. That's kind of oh, cool. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. put them up and say, "Hey, that was a time in our life that we had a child, or there was this big thing that happened, or this is just a thing we like, and we have a ornament to honor that." So I think that's like a cool tradition. Um, that's probably one of my favorites. My favorite is we all stay up on Christmas eve night and we normally play like a game typically monopoly and i win and um we, we play a game we play all night long and we always do we call my my other grandparents on my mother's side and we do christmas eve gift so at 12 o'clock midnight you gotta call them real quick and you guys say christmas eve gift and if you say it before they do you obviously you get a present for them or they're supposed to give you a present uh we never exchange the present so i think it's it's, it's kind of a redundant um <laughs> tradition but it, it is pretty fun uh, maybe next week we should ask what's your favorite tradition. Hmm. So next there week, we next week, next week we'll keep that in the docket. Yeah. If we don't wind up doing a Star Wars question, because you know it's it's getting so close. I feel like I feel like, <laughs> I feel like the force is getting stronger. It is getting stronger. I bought my I bought my second round of tickets already. Mm, nice. There you have it. All righty. On that note, we'll go ahead and we'll wrap things up. There are a few great ways that you can share your appreciation for the Crave Church podcast. First subscribe and add us to your favorite podcatcher and second we also release all of our episodes on our website at creativechurch.com and you can also review this podcast and show us some rating star love on itunes so we can get more exposure and the more people that find us the crazier our happy dance is (laughs) Uh, (laughs) every week you get me um lastly consider sharing this episode on social media you can find us by searching our handle creative church that's one word c-r-t-v church special thanks to Stephen brewster and nate and rachel Parrish for joining us today you can check out all that they're doing by heading over to our podcast episode page on our website at careerchurch.com also special thanks to stock Hub for sponsoring today's show do us a big favor and go check them out and sign up for that 14 day free trial in the meantime i'm nick goodner and i'm ross montgomery and we will see you next episode Thank you for listening to the Creative Church Podcast. Creative Church exists to bring creators together. For more information, visit our website at creativechurch.com. That's crtvchurch.com. Hi, I'm Nick. And I want you to join my Facebook group on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) I'm leaving that in.